Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Matthew Appleby, editor at Horticulture Week, and this is the Horticulture Week podcast. And today I'm with Sam Rivers of ICL and Sean Lokes of Syngenta to talk about their new launch, Mainspring, which is a new broad spectrum insecticide for the ornamentals industry. Now, I was at the recent launch of this at um, Syngenta's Gellet's Hill, and I heard you both there talking to growers. So this is certainly a big new product for both of you. So welcome, Sam. Hi, Matt. Great to be on the podcast again. And Sean, hello again. Yes, hello again, Matt. Thanks, thanks very much for having us on the podcast. It's great to be here to talk about a product that we uh, we've been trying to launch for a while. So it's great to have it uh, have it finally with us. We've had it in the Netherlands for a long time, so excited to have it here for UK growers. <laughs> it was good to be at the launch, and it's good to speak to you two again. So, Sean, what is what is Mainspring? Yeah, so in a, in a nutshell, it's a professional use insecticide based on cyanotrinilopril. So that's the active ingredient for use for ornamental plant production. And, but it's specifically with sites with permanent protection and full enclosure. So essentially crops that are in, indoors in, in glass houses, not for crops that are directly sown in the ground. So um, those are the kind of stipulations around. Obviously, always read the label with anything, um, with any of these kind of plant protection products. But it's for, mainly for the control of um, Western flower thrips. We think that'll be the biggest application in the UK. Um, but it's also got caterpillar control on the label as well. So golden twin spot moth and uh, beet armyworm. It's a sort of wg formulation so and i think most growers prefer a kind of liquid formulation it's essentially you know you can shake it up put it straight in it's easy to use i guess the advantages of a wg are you you don't need to shake it up because it's just a solid granule that you're putting in but we've done a lot of work on the formulation to make sure it's really rapidly dissolving so in about 10 seconds it'll be fully into the tank mix which is really really good and the other benefits of that are that it's um a solid formulation so it's it doesn't have as many carriers and adjuvants built into it so it's a really good kind of tank mix buddy so it could go in with a lot more products it's, it's much much less likely to have any compatibility issues so i think growers prefer to have liquid products but actually there's a good understanding that a, a wettable granule is is valuable in that way that you can use it with different adjuvants to, to control different pests that you need so with for control of caterpillars it doesn't need any adjuvants it's really good to go as it is but we'll talk about it a bit later on but um with control of thrips you want to be adding a liquid sugar partner there as well so you'll get better higher control of the thrips 
Cool. So WG wettable granule. So Sam, sure to talk a little bit about this, but what what pests does it control or or even use? Yeah, as as Sean said, um, there's some caterpillars on there and and Western flower frips. So the registration for this product covers two Lepidopteran pests, uh, golden twin spot moth and uh, beet armyworm, which cause problems in ornamental horticulture. But as Sean said, key here for the product is the control of Western flower frips, which is on the label, uh, which is a major pest in ornamental horticulture, which causes thousands, if not millions pounds worth of damage to ornamental plants year after year. I just want to go over the pests. So first we have uh, golden twin spot moth, which is a Lepidopteran pest in ornamental horticulture. Lepidoptera is an order of insects, which includes butterflies and moths. It's a really large uh, order, which covers a lot of uh, insects in there, specifically butterflies and moths. Um, Now, the issues with golden twin spot moth is it's the larval stage of the pest that causes the damage on the plant. So after the female moths lay their eggs, which are often seen on the underside of the leaves and other surfaces, the eggs hatch and then the larvae feed on the leaves and and even the fruit of the host plants. Uh, This stresses the plant, causes unsightly aesthetic damage, and it can render the plant unsaleable in many circumstances. Um, Another issue is that it's quite a generalist feeder, so it can be seen on a wide variety of plants. Uh, Once the larvae start to pupate and turn into adults, they're able to fly and start their life cycle all over. Um, In a protected environment with full enclosure, which is the scope of the mainspring registration, uh, this pest can also be seen year round. So it's a real uh, problem in ornamental horticulture, and that's why mainsprings are a real benefit to the industry. So next on the label, uh, we have beet armyworm, which again, it's it's another Lepidopteran pest, um, and it's becoming a more regular problem in UK horticulture. Uh, it's, the, the problem is it's developed a high level of resistance to a large um, a resistance, sorry, to a large amount of insecticides, and due to the fact it has a broad host range, again, uh, it's able to complete its life cycle outside of a nurse, nursery scenario, so it can easily migrate in and cause issues from there. The moth is only active at night and hides during the day. So the adults, um, they'll lay their eggs in clusters and they can lay up to 250 eggs. Um, Again, in a similar way to the golden twin spot moth, it will be on the underside of the leaf. You'll most commonly see the eggs Um, and they will generally hatch after about seven days, depending on various factors such as such as temperature. Interestingly, uh, which are, you know, being an entomologist, I, I love all these kind of facts. Um, the color of the larval stage can vary depending on the host plant, uh, which makes it really difficult to identify. Um, a, a key ID characteristic is the presence of webbing, which can be seen on the leaves, but it's really crucial to have someone verify what the pest is because there are a lot of pests which can do this too. Uh, in terms of damage, uh, which caused the plant, it's the, the later instar or developmental stages of the larval stage um, can be seen feeding on the tips of the plant. And the larvae will typically feed towards the center or the midrib of the leaf surface, which has a large impact on crop health and quality. Left untreated, uh, you know, the pest is able to consume the majority of the plant. Um, so in ornamental plants, this can have a huge impact on, on flower quality. So it's really crucial to keep it adequately under control. Um, Now, moving on for a pest that doesn't really need any introduction, uh, we have Western flower frips. 
Uh, they do belong to a different insect order, which is called Physinoptera. They almost have their own order, um, which is really, really unique in, in the entomological world. Um, but Western flower frips are considered one of the most serious pests in protected ornamentals, as they're able to feed on a, a wide variety of plants, uh, commonly seen on chrysanthemums, fuchsias, primulas, just to name a few. And they, they were once considered a notifiable pest in the UK, uh, which is no longer the case. Um, but they cause damage by piercing the cells of plant tissue and sucking out the contents, which causes necrosis of the surrounding tissue and, and mottling on the leaf surface, which can be silver or grey in colour. Uh, and the damage impacts the plant's ability to photosynthesize, which ultimately results in a weaker plant. The uh, wounding that they cause as well paves the way for secondary plant diseases uh, such as botrytis, which is almost like a double whammy, uh, further damaging the plant. Importantly as well, um, frips are a vector for the tomato spotted wilt virus and the impetians necrotic spot virus, which are two serious viruses affecting a wide range of plants. Even though the names don't suggest so, they sound like they're very specific, but they, uh, you know, they affect a wide variety of plants. and serious infestations can ultimately lead to plant death. Um, the issues are generally seen in protected environments, especially in heated glass houses, because they're able to breed year round. Uh, when temperatures are between 10 to 30 degrees, that's when their life cycle is, is optimal. Adult females um, can survive throughout the winter outside in various places in a nursery scenario. A uh, large reason for why this pest can be such an issue is, like I said, it's its rapid life cycle where it can take only a, about 11 days for the egg to develop uh, into a full mature adult, which results in many generations per year. And this is an issue as resistant to a wide variety of controls can occur very quickly, which is why it's important to have a really robust IPM plan in place to help control the population. In terms of the life cycle, the eggs are typically not visible as female adults lay them directly into the plant tissue. Uh, the eggs hatch into larvae and then there are two developmental stages of the larval, larval stage. Um, the first stage, they're very small larvae and they're, they're often colorless, but they do consume plant tissue um, for a few days, depending on, again, the environmental conditions. They then develop into second instar larvae or second developmental stage, which they're slightly more yellow in color and a bit easier to identify. And they can stay up to the stage for about 10 days, but it can be half that time, uh, depending on the climate, climatic conditions. Um, once they've completed that stage, the larvae drop to the ground and begin to pupate into the growing media. Um, it's been shown they're able to pupate on plants also if, if the humidity is really high. Um, and there are two pupil stages. Um, the pupil stage is where the larval stage is uh, transforming, metamorphizing into the adult. So the entire pupil stage takes uh, up to eight days, uh, again, very much a factor of things like temperature, um, after which the adults begin to emerge and then the life cycle starts over. Uh, female adults, they're slightly larger and darker in color than the males, um, but they they can be seen throughout the leaf surface. Uh, they'll prefer to feed in uh, on flowers or buds if present. Uh, another ID characteristic for them is uh, the presence of black frass around the damage sites, which is uh, insect excrement. So it's uh, it's quite a telltale sign. So that gives a hopefully a, a brief overview of these uh, pests. So uh, yeah. So Sean, what considerations do you have for its use for Mainspring's use? 
Yeah. So when you're thinking about um, a mainspring and Sam's going to touch on um, IPM in, in a little bit, I think um, it is a really good partner for things like macrobiologicals. And I think a lot of the traditional and conventional chemistry options are difficult to integrate with a program because if they're very good at killing insects, they tend to be very good at killing insects, which means any beneficials, which can be expensive and they're doing a really good job for you will, will be controlled as this. You have to be careful about your reintroduction time. So the good thing about mainspring is it's, it's, it's mainly acts via a consumption pathway. So essentially the pests will need to eat it for it to have an effect. It's not got a very strong contact effect. So when you're spraying it on the plant, we're spraying it on the plant and aiming to get good coverage over the leaves because then the caterpillars or the thrips consume the leaves and then that's what kills them. So essentially, if you are a beneficial and macrobiological that's going to be just walking over the top of the leaf, you're not really consuming it. So you're not getting a high um, loading of the active ingredient. So it's not having a high effect on you. So it's it's much, much more friendly on beneficials. And the way it's going to work is it's going to be consumed by the pest. It gets absorbed by the, the guts and then that sort of is going to make its way into the the muscle cells and it affects the calcium channels in the muscle cells and it basically affects the pest by completely paralyzing them so they're just not able to normally function so they can't digestively function so within something like five minutes for thrips you'll see them they're just unable to feed they're not taking feed anymore and that'll be a bit longer for caterpillars because they tend to be a bit larger but within a few hours so um growers shouldn't be surprised if they see that it takes a little bit longer to kill the pest because essentially what it's doing is stopping them feeding and you should see feeding stop really rapidly but you may a few days later still see living pests and this is just something to just let growers know that they if they're going in to do their crop walk two days later and they're saying hey sean said all these pests would be dead actually what i mean is they'll all be paralyzed and they won't be feeding so damage should have stopped at the point of the spray but actually the way the product works is it, it doesn't actually kill very rapidly it's just stopping the feeding and then they'll die because they're not able to take on any further nutrients themselves Another really important factor with the product is obviously the earlier we can target the pests, the better success we're going to get. So like Sam said, all those different generations, the earlier stage they are, the more that pest is going to be feeding and also the sort of the, the lower its fitness is in terms of its biology. So it's not got so much fat reserves and that kind of thing. So it can't really fight against the effects of the chemistry. So the earlier we can target, we're going to get much, much better control there. And for thrip control specifically, we would recommend the um, use of liquid sugars in a tank mix. So about 125 milliliters of to, to 100 liters of water. Um, so just mixing that in with the product. And we're not sure exactly why it works more effectively against thrips, which is kind of frustrating because with these kinds of things, we always try and get to the bottom, bottom of it. We think it's something to do with that the thrips are sort of taking cues for feeding and, and when you damage a leaf obviously there are going to be sugars coming out of that leaf so thrips are going to go to that site so if a thrip is they've always been difficult pests to control because they hide in the folds of leaves and you know we all know they're very difficult pests to control so there's something to do with the sugars that's making them come out and feeding on those treated areas so we're getting much better uptake of the product when we incorporate these liquid sugars into the into the tank mix with it so that's a really important consideration for growers as well Great, thanks, Sean. All sounds a bit gruesome, but very effective. Um, you mentioned that Sam was going to talk a little bit about IPM and how to build that into your program. So, uh, Sam, give us the lowdown. Yeah, so I can go over how we would generally approach building mainspring into an IPM plan. And it, it really requires an understanding of the legislation and how we approach issues on the nursery, such as pest pressure. Uh, the, the real driving factor of this is something called the Sustainable Use Directive, which is under this uh, Sustainable Use Regulations. 
which is driving the way we operate on the nursery by promoting a more sustainable approach regarding the use of plant protection products. Uh, the directive has been about for a while and it's, uh, it's law throughout the UK and Europe and all growers are expected to follow the, the legislation which relates to promoting a safer, more sustainable way of crop protection across the industry. Um, under the Sustainable Use Directive, uh, we have some guidance on how to raise and protect crops whilst also protecting the environment and the user. Uh, and this guidance is also known as the, the hierarchy of control. This hierarchy of control uh, begins with cultural control first, followed by biological products then physically acting products. And lastly, the use of chemical products, which is where mainspring will fall into. Um, so it should be noted as well that this legislation is continually under review, um, so it will change to help um, countries meet their sustainability targets as we move forward into this more sustainable uh, uh, world that we're living in. So if we use uh, Western flower frips, which is on the label for Mainspring, as an example, we can go through how we would uh, approach um, and build an IPM plan to help control this pest on the nursery. So following uh, the, the hierarchy of control under the sustainable use directive we, we would look at cultural control options first um, so this refers to measures such as nursery hygiene monitoring climate control irrigation uh, the list goes on in in some of the measures you can take to to meet that first hierarchy of control um, so for western flower frips a few cultural options would would include practices such as disposing of crop debris older neglected stock removing weeds all these things you know that can harbor the pest and um, that can migrate into the nursery if, if they're left uh, un, untouched um, the use of clean equipment as well such as parts and not taking cutting material from infested plants um, if you're buying in stock, it's about monitoring and even quarantining that stock until you're confident it's clean. Um, there's quite a few measures you can use, but hopefully it gives a brief overview of the types of practices you can use to, to help control pests at a very, very basic level. Um, now, the next level in this hierarchy of control would be to look at the biological options. And there are various options available which can be used for Western flower frips, such as predatory mites, nematodes, biopesticides, and you can achieve very high levels of control with this approach. Uh, there are some issues with biological products, uh, you know, it's application timing, which has to be accurate, and issues will rise with compatibility too, especially if you're using other biocontrol agents for other pests on the nursery. So it's really crucial to speak to your suppliers and your advisors to make sure you're maximizing the efficacy of these op options of the nursery. Uh, one product we have at ICL, under the biological category is the beneficial nematode Steinonema feltii. Uh, this can be used to help control uh, all stages of Western flower frips, like the adults and the larvae, and also the pupil stages uh, in the growing media. Um, the consideration for using nematodes, however, is that they should be used preventatively. And if you have a really severe infestation, um, it's not going to give you adequate control, which is, which is a is the case for many of the other biological options. So that. Moving into this next level of the hierarchy of control, we have the use of physically acting products. Now for FRIPS, there aren't many options available in this category, so the options are very limited. Uh, physically acting products work by purely by physically immobilizing the pest and do not enter the insect's physiology internally. Um, an example of a physically acting product would be something called SB plant invigorator. Uh, this, for an example, it would work by washing the spores of powdery mildew off the leaf surface but not having an effect on the spores viability themselves. So without the use of a physically acting product for Western flower frips, we go to the last line of control, which is often the most controversial, which, which is of course the use of the chemical. 
Um, so as I mentioned, the life cycle of FRIPS is very quick. So resistance can occur very quickly through the misuse of chemicals or using chemicals which are not really suited to control this pest, but may have the authorization for on the label. Um, now the use of a chemical should only be necessary when the previous options have not sufficiently controlled the pest or if a pest population goes undetected and explodes overnight. But bearing in mind that even a chemical can't control the most severe outbreaks and sometimes it is best to discard the crop and start again. Um, but when we consider mainspring, um, and it's, as Sean's mentioned, it has a very quick mode of action once ingested and it, as it stops the feeding of, of the organism. And this is really useful when you consider Western flower frips when they have such a quick life cycle. So it can help prevent populations of this pest exploding if there's been an outbreak. Um, another benefit, if we hypothetically consider that the use of the chemical is necessary, is that the IRAC code for mainspring is different to some of the other chemical options available, uh, so it can, can be used together. So IRAC codes are given to insecticides and uh, help develop rotations of chemicals that help reduce the risk of resistance occurring. IRAC stands for the Insecticide Resistance Action Committee, um, and it's this committee who have developed a numerical coding system which help identify like the different modes of actions of chemicals. So for example, if you're considering using two products which have the same IRAC number, that means they have the same mode of action against the pest, and therefore it's not advisable to use them together as resistance is highly likely to occur. The, uh, the bigger the difference in the number between the products, the less likely that resistance is to occur. And this should really be considered when creating any IPM program. And now a good thing about Mainspring is that it belongs to the IRAC Group uh, 28, which is different to some of the other options available uh, for Western Flower Fruit Control. So it can fit really nicely into an IPM program. Excellent. Um, that's a really great overview. Thanks a lot for that, Sam. So we're just coming towards the end now and rounding up. Um, so, Sean, are there any other considerations that you have? Yeah, Sam had a really good point there about the um, resistance issues. You know, Mainspring is a product that um, there's no other chemical um, categories. There's no other resistance profiles in our in ornamentals at the moment. So it's a really good one for breaking resistance profiles. Obviously, if, if a grower takes it on and it becomes their favorite product, we would still always recommend using it with other products and just make sure you rotate that chemistry because any product that is being used in the world, if you just use that on its own, it will get resistance to it because you're forcing a lot of pressure down on one specific chemistry. So it's a really good thing to mix it with different chemistries and also anything you can do with mixing in biologicals as well. That's going to put different pressure on those pests in, in terms of their evolutionary pathway. So when people have got integrated programs like Sam touched on, it's it's going to be the best thing for making sure those products work for you really well and work for a long time to come. We don't want mainspring to be something that's amazing for year one and then nobody can use it next year because there's high resistance. So it's it's just managing that and knowing knowing growers are doing the right thing for that. It'll, it'll mean the products work longer for us, which is a really good thing. And um, all the information is available on the products. So if you're interested in anything or we haven't described it well enough, all the information is available on the website. So if you go to syngentaornamentals.co.uk, you can access all the technical guides and information and label information there. So you can get that information easily. And I think I touched on it at the start, but it's, it's one of those products that's got a great crop safety profile in terms of phytotoxicity. They've used it in the Netherlands for, for years now because they've had it for a while and they've not had any adverse reactions reported. So it's really, really crop safe and obviously really safe on the beneficial. So it's a really nice product and we're excited to have growers starting to feed back to us and they're starting to use it. 
Yeah, I'll keep it uh, short and sweet. So I think Mainspring is going to be another addition to the growers toolbox, uh, which will really help them control potentially damaging pests and help prevent crop loss. Uh, you know, and as always, as Sean said, for any help and advice, please contact uh, myself. Uh, Sean's there as well. Use the Syngenta website, um, the ICL sales team as well, or your local advisors. Uh, we're all on hand to help uh, growers um, meet the demands. Great. Uh, so thanks a lot to Sam Rivers from ICL and to Sean Lokes from Syngenta. I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and this is the Hort Week podcast. To make sure you never miss a Horticulture Week podcast, subscribe to or follow Hort Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. So once again, thanks for now and speak to you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.